Of the 92 Best Picture winners, one must be crowned the bestest of the best. You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Quest for the Bestest. I'm Timo here, joined by Tucker, Tanner, and Abram. Today, we are talking about the 1980 Best Picture, or the 1981 Best Picture winner from 1980, Ordinary People, directed by Robert Redford, starring Donald Sutherland, Mary Tyler Moore, Judd Hirsch, and Timothy Hutton, among others. Emmett Walsh is in this too, I noticed. Yep. Um, an interesting movie, you know, so we um, we have watched a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s, but yeah, not last week. Last mm. week, to recap what happened, um, we watched Gentleman's Agreement from 1947, directed by Elia Kazan, and that movie we decided was great. We decided it was a really great movie, and you should watch it. In fact, we ranked it at number three on our list, um, moving down the previous number third position of the Hurt Locker down to number four. So as it stands right now, it's Godfather, Parasite, and then Gentleman's Agreement. So this week, we've got to figure out where Ordinary People, Robert Redford's movie, lines up. Where does it go? What do you think? You guys know that little dance that Trump does? It's a great fucking dance. It's my he favorite thing about Donald Trump too, but we can't really do it. And then he, he like ends it with like a little bit of a pow, you know. This has a lot to do with the movie. Tucker, what do you think yes. about this movie? Give me your um, thoughts. Spew them right now. You know, you know, boys. Got my notes. Got my fucking notes. I did not expect a lot going into this. I had talked to my dad about the fact that we were watching it, and he said that he personally had really enjoyed it when he saw it. Uh, I think probably in the theaters. He's an old. He's an old fart. Um, he, he watched a lot of movies. But that it was it's a pretty emotionally impact, impactful film. Um, and I think that's kind of where this film really goes its strongest. But I don't necessarily know if that means that it connects to me in any large way. I think that this is an interesting film because it, it is a film that wants to be incredibly emotional and have that emotional core and have a sense of despair about a, a, this clinging on to something that's that's fading um and those are emotions that i feel are very visceral and so while i on one level watching the film i understood what it was trying to do i didn't feel a, a visceral reaction watching ordinary people so that's kind of the dichotomy i'm coming into the review with yeah and i think that's kind of what i was getting at as well like it, clearly it's going for something i just didn't know if it hit personally for me yeah, I would I would say that I could I could feel that it was going for something, but it didn't hit until late in the movie until I was like really hammering it on when it was pouring it on thick. Then I was like, oh, yeah, OK, I feel <laughs> I can feel things. You've you've cracked my cold <laughs> heart and made you've me feel cracked it. my cold, 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 dead heart. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to copy basically what everyone else is saying. I do think it, it definitely goes for something, but I, I'd add that it takes a few missteps along the way. Uh, and, and that's what sort of holds this back from hitting those emotional high notes. It's a, yeah. it's kind of a weird film. So it's based on a book, right? If you watch the opening credits. Yes. Um, and it's difficult to adapt a book to a film. You have a time constraint. You can tell a much longer story in a book. And so I'm, I, yeah. I am a little interested in the story is kind of long and meandering, but there's not really that many characters that really show up again and again and are central to it. And there's, you know, but there's a lot of plot points. And so what happened in the book, maybe did it fill in some of those areas where I feel like 
it's a little lack like like i don't really i don't know i think the it being adapted is an interesting place to start looking at the movie yeah i think that two of the film's weakest aspects that i i I think if these had been fleshed out a little more like they probably were in the book like you, you make a very good point there is the um is um god what's the kid's name again uh conrad conrad yeah conrad jarrett his connection with his friends i don't think was fleshed out enough and when that started to try to get hit emotional points in the end i was like oh well we'd only seen them like twice and they were a little bit like surface level so i felt like that wasn't fleshed out enough and i think that the unfortunately one of the three main characters um beth the mom i don't think got the development that she uh, I, i feel like if she had been given a little more humanity and it would have contributed to a better overall balance of the movie because from the perspective of the viewer you're meant to not really like the mom and she didn't really get that much of a redeeming moment there wasn't really anything explaining too much of why that she was the way that she was and unfortunately i feel like that sort of skewed it towards um towards conrad obviously him being more of the main character but um if they had sort of balanced it and you didn't know who really whose side to take um i feel like it would have made a much more compelling narrative Yep. You talk about lear- knowing why people are the way they are. And that's like the whole point of the movie is like trying to figure out why Conrad is the way he is in this moment. And I was, it was never explained to me and why Beth, the mom acted the way she did. She just did. Yeah. And then whenever she uh, did the characters, I felt were always just explaining it. I was always told how she acted and never really show yeah i i I think that plays into the tucker's you know criticism there i think the point that they wanted you to land on was that beth just loved um buck more yeah but i never see that was the reason yeah i mean i mean buck isn't in a lot of the movie he's he's only in flashbacks (laughs) because he's he's dead dead. um but yeah uh i along with um tucker's point about the friends uh because i think it does try to go for like this high school drama thing at points when um I don't know. Is it one of the Baldwin brothers is in this movie, by the way, he's one of the high schoolers, hmm. but there's a point in there where he says, or one of the high school friends says, Oh, Buck was my friend too. I'm like, Oh sure, yeah, that would have been interesting to see play into their play into their relationship. But most of the time it's just them bullying each other because he quit the swim team or whatever, not connecting on an emotional level that would have made that those side characters important. And speaking of non-important side characters, um, I don't think the the sort of romantic interest that Conrad has is all that interesting or has very much bearing on the overall story. It seems like just a distraction for him to get away from. Uh, it seems like a distraction to when he's not at uh, the doctor. Dr. Burgers. Yeah. Dr. Burgers, which uh, Tucker and I were watching the film together which are the strongest scenes of the film in our opinion, but yeah, yeah, we can go to Abram for your, for your general thoughts. I want to return to Timo's point about adaptation, because I think that that informs a lot of what you guys were saying. I'm sorry. The audience is never going to see this, but fucking Tucker just changed his zoom tag. It's very distracting and very (laughs) funny. What? What the fuck are you talking about? I didn't didn't do anything. Oh, Timo did it. Oh, <laughs> but the, the, the point I was trying to raise before I got distracted was that I think the, the fact that you can't read the mother is part of what makes the film interesting and what mm. is at the core of the tension uh, of the narrative. But to speak to the idea of adaptation, s- film is more visual. You can't get as introspective with a film as you as you can just by nature of how a book is written. 
Yeah. So I can I can see how this sort of juxtaposition of of being in Conrad's head and not being in the mother's head comes across in a way that I think would provide more dramatic tension in on the page than it does on the screen. Because the the film is a lot of people talking, which is believe not what happens in a film. Yeah. But, but the, the the exposition I don't think can carry the weight that the sort of introspection that the the book could carry. Yeah. I think it's an interesting case of adapting something that probably read better as, as thoughts in a character's head and, and the way that those are expressed opposed to a book that, that Redford read and thought to himself, there's a sort of visual component here that I want to realize. I don't think that that really helps this story being told. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly isn't very strong in, in the in the visuals at uh, category. The yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of boring in terms of how it's shot. Yeah. I, think the, I think the production design is I mean, interesting it is about enough. ordinary people. It's about, yeah. And I mean, they live in a, in a very beautiful, very big um, Midwestern suburban house. And it's, you know, okay, cool. They're rich. It's, you know, they're yeah. very rich, I can tell. Um, and they, you know, will work in Chicago. But there's just like very little interest from the film in areas except for like the core of the plot and how the characters talk to each other. I'm not interested in how it's shot. I'm not interested in how it sounds as opposed to some, you know, other films that, that we've talked about. Yeah. I, I would like to uh, quickly interject and, and list as, as I'm known to do uh, the, the awards that it was nominated and won. Um, it won best picture uh, adapted screenplay. So, Clearly, there was a lot of people who had read the source material or were familiar with it and saw mm. the adapt adaptation and thought, hey, that really does it justice. Um, best director for Robert Redford um, and supporting actor for Timothy Hutton, which is interesting because in my mind, he's the main character. And I know Donald Sutherland yeah. is top billing, but I feel like he kind of take back seat, whatever. Uh, but it was also nominated for uh, best actress with Mary Tyler Moore um, and supporting actor for Judd Hirsch. And I'm more surprised that Judd Hirsch did not win supporting actor. Yeah, Judd Hirsch. Should we talk about Judd Hirsch a little bit? The 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 therapy scenes, the psychiatrist scenes. He's like, good. Like I said, he's I great think, in those scenes. I think those are the best scenes of the movie. Hardly obviously, agree. yeah. I obviously um those are like because they're the best scenes. It's like the candy of the movie. You know, it's fun to see Judd Hirsch or Doctor Berger and Conrad interact. Uh, and obviously you can't get that all the time just because how narratives are balanced, but just by nature of them being so much more memorable than the other characters interacting, it, the, the rest of the film sort of just does feel like, um, like homework in comparison. Donald Sutherland, not a, not a mind blowing performance in this. I thought kind of his line, some of his line delivery, some of his reactions to thing were just really flat. I don't, I don't mind the guy in general. I'm used to seeing him significantly oh, older. Yeah. Can I but, say, seeing Donald Sutherland with not white hair is very off-putting. Just yeah. gotta say, but um, yeah, in terms of his character, I thought the the conceit of his character was very interesting. This 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 father who had to, you know, like he said, sit on the fence between two two of his family, the two remaining family members of his that are yeah. increasingly growing distant from each other and growing growing destructive of one another in their relationship. But the performance just left some things to be desired. I think here's the thing. There's a lot to, to critique and criticize about the film. I think rightfully so, 
But I also think there's a very interesting narrative being told here that pulled me through. I started this film, as I start some of our films, by Snapchatting you guys and saying, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> uh, and I, Most of them, actually, yeah. Yes. And, and I watched this after just arriving back home and I had stuff to unpack. So my plan was to have it on and be, be unpacking and putting stuff away to settle back into being home. And I found myself really engaged by, by the story unfolding. And a lot of my issues with it, I felt in hindsight. Because I think at the time, there's a lot of really interesting moving pieces here. And one of them we, we brushed over before is the idea that these are ordinary people. Mm. What, what's interesting about this is that- Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. And that's what makes it interesting because these are rich people who live a decidedly different life than what I would consider to be the ordinary life. Mm-hmm. And, and the film strikes at that at, at certain points, like during the party scenes and during these interesting stigmas about Conrad having uh, this mental illness and about the, the things that the family is dealing with. I think there's, yeah. there's more to unpack about what the film is trying to say than I think we might be giving it credit for. At least that's what I found so engaging. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I, may, I actually made a note that the, you know, the suburban obsession and also stigma around receiving therapy and uh, psych- psychiatric help, psychiatric is the word, that, but yeah, there's the obsession, which they uh, hint on, you know, with Donald Sutherland saying, well, everyone's in therapy. It's like a, it's like a badge of honor now. And then there's yeah. also the stigma that um, Beth says, that, like, oh, you don't want to tell people that. I think that that sort of suburban dichotomy when it comes to therapy would have been a very interesting thing. I, I'm sure it was sort of explored if I, if I think on that theme a bit more, but I felt like the, the film was just being pulled in a few different directions and it didn't explore that theme as much as I wanted it to. While we're on the topic of themes, I think um, the central theme of this film is about like mental health, like right. And this is yeah. and it's about male guilt. mental health. It's about guilt and young male mental health, which is a thing mm-hmm. that Hollywood does not like to talk about. These men, especially well, Conrad and his father, played by Donald Sutherland, are very emotional at times, and they mm-hmm. show it, and they are allowed to be. And especially as Conrad keeps going to therapy, he he is a vulnerable male character which is something that you don't see very often in films especially you know as we get older films it doesn't happen at all so i think that is to the film's credit i think this is it has something to say that is generally a positive message about mental health while it also takes like you know and breaks it open with the family dynamics take that and run with it for a second sorry to cut you off tucker but but i think that that's one of the things that intrigued me the most about the film as somebody who connected to it in an interesting way as someone who does go to therapy who has talked to different people for various for various things being inside that a little bit more and understanding that from a modern perspective and still understanding the stigma still understanding the stigmas and you know the, the connotations of that today in 2020 seeing that play out the way that redford depicted it i think was very interesting and, I, and it, it's an interesting point counterpoint sort of thing to where we are now so i do think that that is certainly worth praising the film over yeah i actually think that looking back i did criticize the lack of development for or the mother's perspective on things but i do think that her um sort of being more denial and in privacy about or private and in denial about um about uh, Buck's death and how she doesn't really want to show it and wants to just get on with her life and, and not let it really affect her. I think that that's a very interesting conflict between the characters and uh, tackling sort of the idea of how people handle guilt, handle grief, handle loss. And, and in that regard, the um, fact that honestly, the movie is pretty, it holds back a lot. 
on on the uh, brother's death thing until the end where it really mm-hmm. goes hard, as Simo was saying. I, I commend the movie on it sort of tackling those themes indirectly and showing it how in normal conversation, that awkward dialogue, the, the moments where it's hard for them to interact with one another because they've had moments in the past that were very uh, tense. And the fact that they don't even really talk that much about um, Buck's death until later on in the film, they show very quick flashbacks, which by the way, those flashback sequences, I love that editing, that fast back and forth, sort of mirroring um, what trauma that they're thinking of at, in the moment while they're having a stress in the uh, you know current timeline. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's a very strong aspect of the film. You can see a lot of films that you can say are, oh, super cliche. It's about the death, a death in the family and, and the, everyone has to deal with it, but they hold, they hold back on that. They, they show it pretty sparingly until it really becomes more central and, and more out in the open as the characters open up to one another. And I think that kudos to Robert Redford for being able to not fall into those cliches by showing that right off the bat. It doesn't feel very Hollywood in, in its depiction. When you, when you think about it, uh, like I said, especially having a, a more personal perspective and lens to view the film through, it's it's interesting, especially contrasting to something like Rain Man, where we where we also talked about you know mm-hmm. mental the health, themes, yeah, themes of mental health. It's in, it's interesting the way that the, that subdued uh, element that Tucker was talking about feels very grounded, and I think that it's that grounded ethos about the film that does make it compelling, even in light of the fact that it was just, in my opinion, still a strange story to want to adapt and tell in this way. Yeah. I think there's something interesting to think in the um, in like the point of view of the movie. And you talked about it earlier about how um, his the the main character is really it it is Conrad, right? And um, even though maybe he's not billed as the main character, and the film I think is told from his perspective, and yeah. that could hint at why maybe we don't get so much um, development in from the mother because she is we are viewing her through the way conrad views her and he sees it in maybe a different light than it is factually you know like there's all i've always there's been a time in many teenagers life where they are you know continually embarrassed and upset with their parents and i kind of connected that a little bit and i and then i was like oh i um i can see how the film is maybe telling it from a perspective it's not really letting you know that it is you have to intuit it but it is from someone's point of view instead of this objective pulled back lens on the whole family honestly that's a very good point you, you, you've kind of made me reevaluate my uh, my perspective on the mom's development and stuff and i honestly think it's a little bit weird that they put uh timothy hutton as the supporting actor well um, uh, to, just to just to sort of i mean i i want to counter that a little bit that they don't have the, the pulled out perspective they do go to the. They do go to um, Donald Sutherland. I'm I'm forgetting his character's names right now. Calvin. 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 They go to his perspective a number of times, but they just never go to the mother's perspective. Hmm, which yeah. I guess you could argue that that's because Conrad has a closer relationship with his father, and that's why we see the father's perspective. Yeah. But I I mean I feel like that might that might be a bit of a stretch. But yeah, I. I I wish we just would have gotten a little bit more from the mom or they would have gone straight into this is Conrad's perspective. I kind of like the idea though of the perspective of the dad being this perspective of the other members of the family and even seeing uh, the wife's eye, the, the wife's perspective through Calvin's eyes. I like the idea mm-hmm. of, of exploring his powerlessness in the dynamic and his 
want to repair it as yeah. something external to himself. What's happening is not within him. He is trying to stitch together these these people. And I think that the way we, we see different angles and different lenses helps establish that. And I, I think helps can compel the audience member to feel for Calvin, depending on what you bring into the film, of course, uh, uh, will make yeah. you resonate with different characters. But I, I do think there's something to be said for the way that it does still center Calvin by not centering him. Yeah, um, I get. Well, I guess I, I just want to ask the the a, a question to the room here a second. Would you say that um, Beth is the antagonist of this movie? I would say she has to be. Unless it's just you're saying, oh, grief is the antagonist. I, I would, or, I would or have to. Timothy I would not being able to get over his problems. I, I think I would agree, mainly in the evidence of how the film ends. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I was. That's thinking. that's what makes me think about that. She is the the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, will didn't like that ending. Put that out there. Very unsatisfying. Yeah, uh, I mean, I felt like in terms of um, if I if we want to get into like how uh the characters interactions develop and like so conrad sort of has this cheesy i might add moment where he's where he slips up a freudian slip if you might that says and says um how am i ever going ever going to forgive her instead of how is she ever going to forgive me uh yeah. i i thought that was cheesy but then it doesn't really go into how conrad is going to forgive his mother because his mother leaves. She, yeah, he has a profound moment. He he gets up and he stares out the window for a yeah. second, and he's like, uh, "Which Whoa. I like, which again, I didn't like. I thought that was I thought that was a little too on the nose." But yeah, um, I I I think it would have been. A, this might be a critique of the book because obviously this isn't. That's the source material material for this. But I felt like if it wanted to have a happy ending of sorts, because it like it has it should have sort of mended the family a little bit, just in my opinion. I don't necessarily agree that the mom was the antagonist, and I'm not sure I'd really place one. I think that another thing that's interesting about the film is, is the way that everybody is in the barrel for some reason. And you can, you can read the film in a lot of different ways that puts blame on different people. You could put the blame on Calvin, as the mom tends to do you can put the you can put the blame on on conrad in some respects you could even put the blame on buck if you wanted to i think you could you could shift that antagonist role around a little bit and the ending i don't think casts such a hard light i think it i think it's a it's an admission of the mother's faults but i don't mm-hmm. think it's it's i don't think it's calvin and conrad overcoming or or achieving something i, I don't think that that really is what the film is going for this might be i i mean i i disagree this might i mean this might be a departure if we want to, if we don't want to stay on this too long but oh i don't know what i mean it's admission of the mother's faults i i think and i think the film pretty blatantly paints her as the antagonist the whole time you know she's the one that doesn't love she's the one that doesn't love conrad like she liked like she loved buck and just from an audience standpoint we're, we're supposed to think oh a mother is supposed to love both of her children equally and uh without question and then she's the one that leaves at the end. And I don't think that Conrad or Calvin, Calvin really have the really have the same faults admitted to them by the end of the film. 
Yeah, and actually, I think that it's interesting that you you say that, Abram. I think you're correct in that this this film is sort of from shifting perspectives, and because of the the conflict between all the characters not necessarily being balanced, you can kind of shift the blame for which conflict is happening at the time to different characters. But I do think that I agree with with Timo and Tanner about uh, about Beth being more of the antagonist because, as I said, she doesn't get those humanizing moments. She doesn't get the redeeming moments. Her her moment of realization is an irredeemable thing she leaves in the moment that she's supposed to really be realizing who she is as a person and, and that's not well it's it's a trait that obviously a lot of people has and it's not like she's not a villain uh it, it isn't she's the antagonist because she is detached for the entire length of the movie and doesn't come around to it she doesn't really have too much of a character arc because her character arc ends in something that painter in not a great light still i think the well, ending there i just want to add it add my my thoughts on the ending is that it is it's unsatisfying and it feels like nothing was solved that's it's just to me it's like i'm like these characters you know oh maybe immediately you know conrad's gonna feel better but like he's still gonna have the issue that he feels like his mother which is someone that you can't just remove from your life doesn't love him mm-hmm. uh and and you like these guilt and stuff like oh her leaving because the father confronted her about her not being able to show love um, in the way that other people can receive it. It just, it felt like nothing. It, it didn't feel like a very good conclusion to me. I think the, the conclusion of the film is that the family's at an impasse. And the reason I don't view Beth as a hard villain is, is that uh, Christmas tree sequence where they're putting up the tree and stuff comes out about Beth that she didn't visit Conrad. Sure. But there's this attempt for clearly that Beth feels like she has been wrong to an extent that that Calvin is becoming this stonewall where he is is placating Conrad in a way that's pushing her out. I think part of what's interesting about the film is is the way that it for, for as many times as it will try to draw that distinction that that Beth is the villain and I did feel that way for a little while. I think when you look at some of the individual scenes you you see this this other side of the dynamic where the mother is not being given the, the the play she needs and she's not being given the route back in. And I think the success of the ending for me is the fact that the film ends kind of where it began. The family didn't heal in a lot of respects. Yeah. And, it's, and it's an interesting portrait of that situation. It's not necessarily a satisfying conclusion of anyone's arc. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep harping on like the disagreement we have about this single point, but I just, I just want to say, I think Beth is given a route back in because she, you know, Calvin asked her, I think we should go to uh, see Dr. Berger as a family and work this out. And she's like, no, we don't need to do that. But that might be, uh, again, a, the, the larger stigma that she personally has attached to therapy uh, at, in her suburban lifestyle. Again, I wish they would have uh, tackled that theme more because the, the the whole theme is set in like this suburban area and some of my uh, i i really appreciate films that sort of tackle that like suburban rage sort of like suburban complacency theme like uh, american beauty and i felt like i would have just enjoyed this film a lot we'll more. get there soon yeah we'll get there soon uh i feel like i would have enjoyed this film a lot more had that theme been explored sure well, this has been very interesting discussion, but I'm afraid we must call it a wrap and move on to the next section, um, wherein we have to decide 
where it lands. So we've devised yet another method of figuring oh, out where it lands. Um, hopefully this, our permanent method. Um, hopefully our permanent, we'll see how it works. Um, we have all, I have it here written down on a piece of paper, which I've folded neatly, not very much, into um, a little square. And I've written on it a number. And the other three guys are going to do the same. And yes. we will hold it up and figure out where we rank this film. Are you guys ready? I am. Yes. yes. Okay, Ready? well, on three, two, one. All right, so it looks like we're starting at number eight. Uh, number I guess eight. if we do a hand raise, that doesn't actually move us anywhere. Shit! No, it's a tie. <laughs> okay, well, no, honestly, uh, Abram, you being the higher one, I mean, you have, you've shared your points can, can almost completely, but I think if you want to do one final quick point, uh, is we can sh maybe shift it one higher. Um, sure. But I, I think that would we go with seven at this point if we don't move anywhere, or would we just go with eight because half of us agree on one place? Um, I don't know. Abram, share your thing and we'll okay. think about it. My, the the reason that I put this film at number six is because I think it's still an engrossing story, and the fact that we were able to have the conversation we had with the different perspectives, I think, speaks to the way that the film paints a contradictory and interesting picture of this lifestyle. I, I think that there's a lot to unpack about it, and the fact that it doesn't, in my opinion, cast such a strong lens in any particular direction makes it a muddy and curious picture of suburban life during this time. And I think you can project different things into that. Of course, my biases, my personal experiences speak to that. But I think Robert Redford painted what is a fairly complex picture of the stigma of mental health and the way that this film interacts in a way that pulled me from the beginning to the end. I will um, say that when I finished watching, I put it at eight. I think I'm going to move up to seven. And so then we can coalesce in set at seventh place for this film. Sure. Um, when I finished watching it, I was like, I don't know if this was a good or a bad movie. Um, mm. But I will say that the film is not great in every aspect except for its stuff that we've been talking about. The yeah, cinematography, the sound design, I mean, you know, it's all whatever. It was. Um, it served uh, the purpose of the story, but it wasn't like spectacular. Yeah, I still yeah. call this a good movie. I think its uh, depiction of mental health is pretty good. I just think some of the character interactions are a little iffy. Some of the line readings aren't great. Uh, obviously, I think the, Fr the French Connection, which would be placed above this uh, for me, would have some stronger cinematography moments, you know, production-wise, uh, the, the base level stuff like that. But yeah, I and like I said at the very end there, um, I just didn't feel that like suburban st mental health stigma theme that maybe uh, that Abram did. Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. We've all definitely our perspectives on it. As Abram said, this clearly paints a picture that you can have plenty of perspectives mm -hmm. on it because it tells a very uh, intricate narrative. And um, while it didn't quite hit home for me, um, I still very much enjoyed it. I have it a seven out of 10 on my personal notes and on my, on my mm -hmm. letterbox and, and such. But Likewise. That is, puts it at number seven for at us. number seven yeah in between the french connection and rain man so let's take a look at our graph before we move on all right Whoa. wow Whoa. oh wow oh goodness go. gracious look at that ordinary people sits at number seven on our list of the best best picture winners of all time and with that we get to decide what we're doing next week oh baby all right oh, boy we hit the wheel right I'm, I'm yes. wired in, but should I do a spin in my chair here? I might like choke myself. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad Abram's, idea. Abram's got the spin going. I'm getting the um, the wheel uh, pulled up here. 
Uh, I'm gonna keep spinning till we spin. Uh, uh, out of 83 films. Yep. Out of 83 films. All right. Ow. It's pulled up. It's ready to go. It's got 83. Okay. Are you ready? I'm gonna hit this. Is spin. it randomized? It is randomized. We. Okay. It's, it's all good. Everything's shuffled and let's go. Okay. Uh, Whoa, my God. Oh, it's, Jesus oh, Jesus Christ. It's going. We're spinning. I feel like the wheel. We're spinning. I feel Ow. like the wheel. And we have a number for next <laughs> week. The number is 31. <gasps> oh, okay. Interesting. Another great, another uh, 80s movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Now, this is going to be an interesting one. I don't okay. know how many of us have seen this, but this is certainly a little bit more well-known than a couple of the ones that we've been tackling recently. 1986, starring Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe. Oh, Johnny I know what Depp, it is. Johnny Forrest Whitaker. Directed by Oliver Stone, this is Platoon. 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 Oh, I've never seen it. I have never seen Platoon. Anyone here? about it. Nope. No, okay, all right. This is a completely fresh. I'm very excited. Yeah. And I own it on DVD. Yay. Oh, yeah. Well... What what an exciting discussion. Yes. But an interesting movie. We had some disagreements, but we found out where it settled. Our second war film that we'll have coming up next week. Our second True. war film. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have lots, <laughs> change lot, a lot more of those because I think they often win uh, Best Picture. They mm-hmm. do, but it is a, a different war, isn't it? What war mm-hmm. is it? It's Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. Mm, I do love me a Vietnam war movie. We'll see how this um, how this stacks up. Thank you guys for joining me. We had a great discussion here on the quest for the bestest. We Mm -hmm. will be back next week at the same time for all your listening and viewing pleasures. And we will be talking about Platoon. 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 Yep. Platoon 2. Platoon 2. It actually doesn't work. I thought I could just like cover a letter and it just says, oh, it does. Yeah. Are you stupid? Yeah. Platoon. That's the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesus Christ. I had a good time. We'll be back next week. Catch us then. All right. So long. I'll catch you. Bye.